talking with you about some things about Satan and the heavenly places, but because of it being Thanksgiving and because of the plaque presentation last week and the Bible conference and everything, <clears throat> excuse me, and everything, I have been thinking about some of these things about being on the issue of being thankful and having thankfulness. And uh, I, I just want to start and talk to you about a couple things and just really the way of reminding ourselves. Um, <clears throat> As I, this past week, we had Linda and I, or the, with the weekend and the Bible conference and everything, and uh, Monday was Linda and I's 25th wedding anniversary, then we got 20 years here at the church, and all of that, the celebration and everything. And by the way, just let me say from me, and really from the board as well, a hearty thank you for all that did, that worked in the Bible conference, for the ladies especially. There is a um, <coughs> there there is a great uh, thing there with the role of ladies, women in the local assembly, and th that weekend and those type of deals like that, you see that role uh, magnified and put on display. And I know it's you know serving and and it's doing things, but to do it with the right heart and with the right attitude and with the right desire to help and to be, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> you start naming people, then you forget somebody and they get their feelings hurt, <laughs> you know, and I learned that a long time ago from dad, don't name anybody, you know, Cause, and, and then dad got in trouble because he didn't name a guy and the guy got mad, you didn't name me, and dad's like, but I said I wasn't going to name anybody, so, you know, you just have, you, you can't win for losing, right? You know, it's, it's like the lady that went in and she had the, she went into a diner and they had a peel the sticker off contest. She peeled the sticker off and she's like, hey, I want a motor home. She's like, I want a motor home. And the, and the, the waitress is like, no, ma'am, you can't because the most we have here is win a dinner. She goes, no, I want a motor home. Look. And she looked at it and it said, win a bagel. <coughs> ah, see, there you go. All right. Oh, hey, I'm working on them, you know. We're working them today. No? Ooh, okay. So, <coughs> all right, well, it beats the other ones I had, you know. <coughs> anyway, so when you, to say thank you for you guys, I, you know, for the work and for the effort and really for that being, uh, being magnified, being put on display, the, the, that, that role and that the ladies play in a local assembly as the men have roles as well and so forth. Philippians chapter number 2, the Apostle Paul here talking about Epaphroditus in verse 25, he makes a rather interesting statement in verse 29 about him. <clears throat> he says, Receive him, talking about Epaphroditus, therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because... Because, why are we going to hold Epaphroditus in reputation? Because, for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Hold such in reputation. And I, I got to thinking about that with the plaque and everything. As we came up on 20 years, I was talking with, uh, uh, come, uh, come over to 1 Corinthians 16. I was talking with the board about, hey, you know, we need to do something that recognizes 20 years. And, and the reason you do that is because you hold such in reputation. 
not to because of the work sake, the work of Christ, okay? Not because Rick and Linda or anyone is a great person, the people, but it's the work that they're doing, the work that is being done by everyone needs to be recognized. Paul does that. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 16 and look at verse 18. For they, and that'll be the coming of Stephanus and Fortuitus and Achaeus there, out of verse 17. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. You're to acknowledge those that refresh you. You're to, you're to hold in reputation. If you come back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says it to these guys. By the way, Thessalonians, probably the first book that Paul writes, he immediately tells you, verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. So when you recognize, and like the plaque and so forth, and, and the crews and everything, you know, Linda and I, how, how else do you say but just a thank you? It, there really isn't anything profound. I don't have a Hallmark card, or I don't even have a Hallmark mind sometimes. You know, I asked Linda one time, I said, where's all the grocery money that you're spending? Where's all that at? She goes, stand up, look, turn sideways, and look in the mirror. <laughs> and I did. Uh, See, I told you, they get worse, okay? And I did, and I'm like, okay, enough said. Thank you, honey. You know, how do you say, so I don't have a hallmark mind about some of this, but to simply say thank you. While our goal, you're in 1 Thessalonians 5 there, esteem them. But why? Not because I'm such a nice guy, because I cannot be a nice guy sometimes. Okay? I know it's hard to believe, but rather because of the what? The work's sake. Hold them in a reputation. Acknowledge them. Pay attention to what's going on. And while, come over to Hebrews 13. It's fascinating to me in Scripture how, how this is talked about, not only in our case. And again, Paul wasn't recognizing these guys because they were great men. He was recognizing them because they were faithful. They're, they were servants. They were laborers with him. They were co-laborers. They were workers with him. They did what 2 Corinthians 1.24 says. They were, did not have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. Hebrews 13, you come out of verse 7. The writer says, remember them which have the rule over you, leadership, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Isn't that interesting how here you are in Hebrews, and what are they to do? Recognize those who are over them. Drop down to verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Well, that could be dangerous, couldn't it? <laughs> but in their program, that's what they have to do, by the way. Verse 20, 
4. Salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. I just pull those out. Come back to Philippians 3. Because as, we, as you think about the plaque, and we'll find a place to hang it so it's, it's hung. But as you look at it, as you think about the anniversaries, as you think about the, those milestones in a local assembly that come, they need to be recognized. They need to be celebrated. Not because the people involved are such wonderful people, but because they are, it's for the work's sake. When I look around and I think about the future, you know, <clears throat> I'm not the old guy in the room anymore, but one day I will be. So then what happens to the, the next generation? And where are they at? And what's going on there? And how to deal and, and to bring and to do there? Because what needs, to ha what needs to be here for the future generations? The local assembly does. A local gathering. And, it, and it'll change. You look around today, the world around us today, and how you do church and how you do anything spiritual has changed. It's going to change even more. And fortunately, we meet in a public like this, and we'll do it as long as we can. But when it changes, then they're going to have to pick that mantle up. And that faithfulness. And I would love one day to, for them to be able to say, you know, a hundred years ago, Pastor Rick said, well, you know, and here it is. Just as we do with our forefathers, if you will, that we stand on their shoulders. And it's the faithfulness. It's the steadfastness. Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, <coughs> dealing with great subjects about the glorying and having confidence in the flesh <laughs> where he says no you don't and if you think you do i got you beat <laughs> and then he makes that great statement in verse 9 be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of christ the righteousness which is of god by faith not my righteousness having his righteousness on display he comes down, gives that rule of relative maturity in verse 15 and 16. When you've attained, don't lose what you've attained. Don't go backwards. Maintain it. Keep moving forward. There's some stuff that we're, I'm studying, we're all studying, and we need to move forward on. Then he says something rather interesting in verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. I read that. What has Paul been saying all along in Philippians 3? Walk this way is right. He says, hey, look, you think you've got confidence in your religious flesh over there. I've got you beat. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I got you. There's nothing religiously that you can put up that'll make it look better than what I can lay out on the ground here. But you know what? I counted all that for loss for Christ. I came along, and I would rather have his righteousness be the issue. I want to have the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count all of that other there stuff dung. I, you know, one day, I guess, Dad always said, one day the new Bibles will get that word right. Dung, the off skirt, just the, the garbage, the waste. 
I count all that as waste, that I can win Christ. I want to know Him, verse 10, and the power of His resurrection. See how Paul shifts his thinking. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the righteousness of the dead. I'm sorry, the resurrection of the dead. Thanks. <laughs> that dayquil is kicking in. <laughs> I got these little cough pills at home, you know, little, little cherry looking things. And the bottle says take one or two. I took three the other day because I couldn't see. You're talking about being zoned. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Woo. I told Linda, I said, We're, how you doing there, good looking? <laughs> I was zoned. I was like, man, you know. <laughs> and she's like, how many of those did you take? And I said, two or three? I don't know. She's like, Rick, <laughs> you know. So we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I didn't move from the seat for a few hours, you know. <laughs> the power of the, of the resurrection of the dead. Now watch verse 12. Not as though I already, I had already attained. Either were already perfect. The I'm not there yet, guys. Now think about the great apostle Paul. He's received, he's talking face to face with the Savior. And he says, I've got it, but I'm not there. The next chapter he's going to say, I've learned to be content. I've been instructed how to do this. He goes, I got the instruction, but I had to take it, believe it myself, and put it into life. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm still pressing toward the mark. I'm still trying to get there. I'm still learning. I'm still moving. I'm not stopped. I didn't stop because I got it figured out. I'm still moving. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I have people say, oh, that's the rapture. Well, actually it's not. He's, he's moving for the mark of per perfection, maturity. It's moving toward the mark of being apprehended. Who apprehended Paul on the road to Damascus? Christ did. He goes, I'm still going that way. I'm moving towards him. Then he come pops up, verse 15, let us therefore, I love that, let us therefore. Look at the mindset you're to have, to be moving forward, to be moving towards Christ, to be moving that direction. He says, mark those that you have as an in-sample, not an example, but an in-sample. What's going on inside of Paul? That maturity. Let us, therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. Have some mature thinking about things. When Paul looked at his religious life in the past, he said, I count all that but lost. I'm going this way, that's going that way. And you know what? You better be thinking about the same thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward. we got to be going that way. 
go that direction. And you know who you have as that perfect end sample, inside, working out? You have us. You have those that are over you in the Lord. Local assembly. You have examples of faithful men teaching other men to teach others also in that faithfulness. You have that. Hold them in esteem and high regard and hold such in reputation. And when you begin to do that, come over to 1 Thessalonians. By the way, that thing about in sample there, that, that, that is stuff working inside of Paul working out. The only way that you would press towards the mark, the only way you would say, hey, I'm not even apprehended what I'm after. I'm, he's apprehended me and I'm after him. It's going on inside of you. 1 Thessalonians 5. <clears throat> Wonderful verses here. <clears throat> By the way, uh, flip over to 2 Thessalonians 3. Do one here for just for a minute. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse number 7. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an in-sample unto you to follow us. When Paul went into Thessalonica, Timothy goes in there, Titus, the, the guys go in. They labored, they worked with their hands, physical labor, and building that local assembly there, working in the daytime, having the Bible studies, doing all the teaching and everything, so that they wouldn't be chargeable but they would be a what? An end sample. Their motivation came from where? From inside, from their inner man. You got 1 Thessalonians 5? Hold on to there and run to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> this is why there's no overhead this morning. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse number 10. Anytime you get a fat head or a puffed up chest, you ought to read this verse. I do. I don't get a fat head or a puffed up chest, but I do read this verse from time to time. <laughs> hey, blessed quietness over there, would you? <laughs> but by the grace of God, I am what I am. There's Popeye the sailor man, right? Okay. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. And here it is, but the grace of God which was with me. Where does the labor come from? First Thessalonians 5. Where does the labor come from? Where does the faithfulness, the steadfastness come from? comes from the grace of God working in you. It comes from the doctrine working inside of you, working out, becoming that in sample. It comes from saying, you know what, we're going to do this and we're going to do it. And then we go and do it. 
getting other people to come along and say, here's the push, here's what we're going to do, and they join. 1 Corinthians 5, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5, that's where we need to be. The Apostle Paul makes a couple statements here, and I just want to pick up on them the, the, the last of this morning here because of thanksgiving and thankfulness. And again, I don't know how to express it any other way than to say thank you. In verse 16, Paul says, Rejoice evermore. First <clears throat> Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice evermore. Isn't that an interesting statement? Paul, the first book he writes, he's going to use little file, little, little taglines, keywords to bring up into your mind the doctrine. What is it to rejoice evermore? What did the Lord say? What did Paul say? And again, I say rejoice. <clears throat> I just, it's not pulled up in my mind, so hang on a second. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What are we going to rejoice in the Lord evermore? Verse 17, pray without ceasing. That tells you that you need to understand what prayer is. It's not a position. It's not a, it's not a specific time of day where you bow your head and close your eyes five times a day and do this all this mess. Pray without ceasing. That tells you that prayer is something different than just the physical activity. There are times, though, when you do need to bow your knee. There are times when that, that seriousness of what's going on causes you to stop what you're doing and to bow your head, close your eyes, and get serious about it. But what is prayer? Just talking to the Lord and to the Father, isn't it? About what's going on in life and how to take His Word and apply it to the details of life. How do you move it from the verse into practicality? How do I do that, Lord? How? And you know what He'll say? Believe the verse. Just believe the verse. That's why I told you the hardest thing you and I have to do is believe the verse. We read them all day long. Three chapters a day we're reading. We get and then he says, hey, don't do that. And what do we go do? We go do it. And then we wonder why things fall apart. What's the verse say? Do, let's do the verse. Obey. Pray without ceasing. Constantly talking to the Father about the details of life. And you know what happens, by the way? If you're reading and you're renewing your mind day by day, this stuff becomes natural. It's a natural habit. It's a natural reaction. It's a natural response. You look at the guys who play tennis or, or a sport. <clears throat> I was reading a thing about uh, McEnroe back in the day. That's how old we go back, right? <laughs> And he would hit 5,000 balls a day just standing at the service, not at the service line. What's that middle line called? Um, before the net. Anyway, whatever. That, and he would, the middle line before the net, okay? The service line's in the bag, the middle line. Right? And he would just sit there, 5,000 balls a day at that line. Then he would go back to the, to the outline, the back line. Baseline, thank you. Okay, there we go. I knew somebody would know. And he would hit another 5,000. Then he would go down and get in and close, and another 5,000. You know what happens when you do that enough times? Your muscle memory starts, doesn't it? And you quit thinking about hitting, and you just start hitting, right? What happens when you start applying the Word of God to life? And you just start reading. 
then uh, naturally what begins to happen? It begins to change things. Then you have the next verse. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, I want to know the will of God for my life. In everything, give thanks. Uh Uh-oh. You mean, what does it say? In everything. It doesn't say for everything. It says in everything, good or bad, what are you to do? Give thanks. Because in the good, what are we doing? We're rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. He blessed me. Woohoo! Right? That's what we say. When it's in the bad, oh, Lord, what are you trying to teach me now? What do we know? When the Lord, when things come, we're to give thanks. We have an adjustment. We've been hitting the ball, haven't we? We've been working, you know? Linda, there's an eye doctor that works for Linda. It's a company that she works for, and he's right-handed. And he does the LASIK, and he does all this. He actually did the RK on my. He got bored and learned how to do it with his left hand. <clears throat> so he could do it. And I'm sitting there going, I'd hate to be the first guy he tried that on left-handed. You know, but he, I don't think he did. But, he, but so what do you got? You got muscle memory. What are we doing? We're in taking the word day by day, aren't we? We're learning. We're growing. And what happens in the good time? Come back, you're in Thessalonians, come over to Philippians. Philippians 4, what did he tell us? Hey, in everything do what? Give thanks. In every, this is the will of God. Folks, you want to do the will of God in your life. First of all, one of the components of the will of God is in everything give thanks. That means you have to have a thinking adjustment about what's going on in your life. Philippians 4, notice Paul, verse number 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have, what? Learned. In whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What's going on there? Good times and bad, right? Abounding and abase, hunger and full. What have I learned? To give thanks. To be thankful. To come along and to say, thank you. If you look back up there in chapter 4, if you look back up at verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known, be made known unto God. Isn't it fascinating that prayer and thanksgiving are connected? Because what are you doing? You're saying, thank you, Lord. Come back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, a passage we're familiar with. 1 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> On your way. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. How can I give thanks to God for all things? How do I learn this? How do I learn to be thankful? 
in good times and in bad. Well, how about verse 13? Then hath no temptation taken me, taken you, but such as common to man. How about that? How about an understanding of what's going on in, li in your life is happening to someone else at the same time, or has happened? Two weeks ago, I was involved in a motorcycle accident. Lady turned left in front of me across two lanes of traffic, and I clipped her. Okay? I'm laying on the ground going, oh, a few other things, Arr! right? My bike, I rolled over, the lady comes running up, not this, the lady that hit me, but the other lady, another way, she goes, don't move, don't move, blah, 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 I'm like, I'm okay, and I just rubbed the tank. She goes, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm fine. It's like, Arr! You know what? Five hours earlier, there had been a motorcycle accident up in the northeast, the northeast corner of Mesa, and the motorcycle rider died. That could have been me. Common to man. Okay? When you understand that, guess what God was not doing to me? Why are you trying to teach me? Get off the motorcycle. That was my mom, okay? That wasn't God. That was my wife and my mother, okay? See? Why? Because it's common to man. So I take it. Come over to 2 Corinthians 4. So I give thanks in that moment because I know that that accident was just that. It was an accident, and I was lucky to walk away from it. Okay? I was lucky to just have messed up the motorcycle and not me more than the bruises. So I learned from it. <laughs> and I move forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. How do you do that? How do you understand that you're not special? <laughs> God is faithful. He's able to make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. The rest of that verse goes on to say, hey, you're going to learn to escape it. How do I escape it? You escape it by bearing it. Because you know something. You know some doctrine inside of you. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. By the way, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You renew that inward man, you're in the word rightly divided, you're reading your three chapters a day, you're getting that book into your thinking. You're going to naturally begin to do stuff that you never thought you would do before, and it's going to come second habit, second nature, and the next thing you're going to know, and you're going to go, what in the world, how did I do that? When you quit trying to wrestle against your flesh and blood and try to stop something, and you just say, you know what, that's been at Calvary, he took care of that, I'm over here, I'm not there, I'm over here, I'm never going to look over there, I'm looking right over here where I'm at. Now look at the next verse. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. 
It's a what kind of an affliction? A light. As I went the next day to the junkyard, the tow yard, and see my baby, I took some pictures because I wasn't taking, I didn't take any pictures that evening. Linda did, and didn't look too good. <laughs> the bike and the pictures. <laughs> but as I look at her, and I'm, you know, and the guys are over and they're talking, and we're, you know, having a com- we're having a farewell memorial service. <laughs> Not, you know, you take some pictures and everything for the record and stuff forth, and I just love on her a little bit more. But see, the thing is, is it's just for a what? It's for a moment. The accident happened about 5.15. By about 6.30, I was in the ER getting photographs taken of everything, make sure everything was fine. I was home by 10.15. Five hours, it was just a moment. But man, it seemed like forever. It's just for a moment. But what's that next word? Worketh. You take that moment in time, and what do you begin to work? It works for us, doesn't it? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, in the moment, what do you do with it? You take it, and you put the book to work. You, took, you take the sound doctrine, and you put it into action. And you take that, and you say, you know what? I know that this wasn't a test of God. I know it's common to man. And you know what I can do? I can now make, have this activity work for me a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And you may go, but Rick, it's just an accident. But it's a mindset, isn't it? Because I'm sitting there in the ER, and the nurse, the doctor lady comes over, and she says, now you probably have PTSD. And I'm like, I got what? <clears throat> and she says, you don't realize it, but from the trauma of the accident, you'll replay it, and you might not be able to go through that intersection again, and you might have it. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Come on. Well, that's a lawyer. That's a doctor covering her bases. So I had Linda drive me through the intersection. Let's go through the intersection. And guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. But, what, but, but for some, what happens? That becomes an issue. And I'm not discounting the trauma or PTSD because that's a real deal. I got that. But the thing is, is when your mind is not stayed upon something that but it's stayed upon who you are in Christ, guess what? That solid rock becomes even solider. That's a made-up word, I know. Okay? Solid. Where's my English, ladies? Get on here. Solidified. There you go. But when I'm thinking about over here about woe is me and blah, 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 you know what happens? I, I drift away. Now watch verse 18, because this is how you know this is all a work of faith. This comes by, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? They're temporal. If that evening something else had happened and I was more injured or hurt, that's a temporary thing. Why? Because one day I get a new body, I get the glory and everything, and the doctrine boasts that up. 
and you can waller in your own mire all you want and be that little piggy in the mud all you want, but that's not where you're supposed to be. You've got to come out of that. But it starts by giving thanks. In everything, give thanks. That's where it starts. I know people who struggle with the PTSD stuff. I, I got that. I know it's real. I'm, I'm not discounting it. But the struggle comes because that becomes the focus. Focus on who you are in Christ will help you deal with that. Put it where it belongs. I can only imagine. I, I know a lady who was married to a firefighter. He took his own life because he got tired of seeing what he saw on the job. And he's a believer. But what begins to help with that is giving thanks for who you are in Christ. The real stuff. The stuff that's going to matter. When the temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. But it starts with in everything, give thanks. And while we celebrate... Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. While we celebrate anniversaries and milestones and plateaus as a local assembly, and we hold them up and we recognize them, that sets a benchmark for the young folks to say, hey, we got there, they got there, we can do better. I, I, over there, Joshua, he goes, my, my generation is done. We've done what we're supposed to do. Now the next generation, you're to do it. And you know what happened? The next generation after Joshua failed, they blew it. But you know why? Because the fathers didn't do their job and prepare the next generation. We need to make sure we do our job. Part of that is setting traditions. Part of that is setting like the plaque and the milestones. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. So in everything give thanks. There's the offering box. I smiled. I got to do what? I have to. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Boy, isn't that wonderful? All grace, all sufficiency. What a thing to give thanks for. Isn't it? Amen is right. Verse 11, drop down to verse 11. Being <clears throat> enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Now, there's a lot going on. I just want you to read the verses. The bountifulness, the enrichment. He's talking about work, making the profit in the business world. You, God gave you an, an, an ingenuity, an imagination, and he gave some of you that you touch it, it turns to gold. You're to use that for the work's sake. That brings thanksgiving 
to God. Verse 12, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but, it abundant, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of God and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer free for which long after you, I'm sorry, for their, and by their prayer for you, which long after you in the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. As they were laying in to give to the poor saints in Jerusalem, Paul says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Do your part. You do your part, and what's going to come? Thanksgivings unto God. As we think about thanksgiving, in everything give thanks. Again, the plateaus, the, the anniversaries, the milestones are only there because of thanksgiving, the first thing out of the box. By the way, being thankful is what separates you from the heathen. Romans 1, they were not thankful. We should be thankful. And we should thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Because he has given you mercy and peace and grace when he didn't have to. He's blessed you and I with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's made you complete in him. He's given you all sufficiency and all grace and all things. And we should be thankful for that. And that is what should become the motivating factor for doing the work of the ministry. In everything, give thanks. I know it's after Thanksgiving and we can do this. We ought to be doing this every day. We don't need a holiday on a calendar to be thankful. But it's something that you need to just every now and then be reminded of. Okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for everything that we have in your Son. And as Paul would say, and whatsoever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And Lord, I'd have that to be our motto, our, 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 our motto and our, our thinking as we go day by day. And as we look at the things of life and as we deal with things in life, good or bad, that we would remember to always to give thanks for you, to have the opportunity to go through what we go through so that it would all redound to your glory and to your honor. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.